The four-day visit of the US president starts today, with Joe Biden arriving in Belfast before heading south. There'll be folksy quotes, malarkey and the ever-present risk of a verbal gaffe. But is this visit as much about politics as it is about heritage? CNN reporter Donny O'Sullivan and Irish Times public affairs editor Simon Carswell are here to talk about the big visit. I'm Bernice Harrison. This is In the News from the Irish Times. Today, Biden touches down. Donny, we have at the minute a lot of very clean cut looking Americans in dark suits around Dublin. They've been here for weeks, I think, actually, uh, which I suppose is the least of it. What does a presidential entourage look like? It's big, uh, certainly. I mean, we were actually, we travelled over a few weeks ago actually to to do a kind of um, advanced story ahead of Biden's visit. And we were uh, in Ballina and we were talking to locals there who were saying, you know, so many rumours going around on WhatsApp. Every time there was an American or somebody wearing a suit uh, in the town, they said, oh, Secret Service <laughs> is here. Uh, they're certainly obviously there um, uh, this week. Uh, but, you know, we spoke as well when when we visited a few weeks ago. We spoke to um, Ali Hayes, who of course runs the bar and uh, Money Gall, and he was just you know recounting just the lengths that the security teams go through ahead of a presidential visit. He even talked about how they had to kind of set up additional phone lines. I think something like 16 phone lines uh, going into Ali Hayes pub just in case uh, the president, you know, something happened and they had to all hop on secure lines and whatnot. So, you know, really every stage of this is planned. Uh, You know, so many people uh, flying over. I mean, the press themselves, there's going to be up to, I think, probably more than 200 uh, in the press corps coming from the US. What is your access like? Oh, I have no idea. Um, this is this is all quite new for me. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not normally uh, on the White House beat. I am. Um, I demanded I be sent along as the uh, the token Irish person on this trip. So, um, you know, our, we're sending our whole a lot of our White House team, our chief White House correspondent Phil Mattingly is coming over. Um, you know, some of our colleagues uh, from London as well, who've of course covered um, the Good Friday Agreement and and the situation in Northern Ireland. Uh, so for me, this is this is all a bit novel for me too. Um, you know. I very much, I think, will be uh, going and focusing on how he is being received in Ireland. Uh, as I mentioned, we spent some time in Ballina. We're going to go to Loud as well. So, um, yeah, this is this is new and novel for me. The visit's a big deal for us. But what do you think the coverage is going to be like in the US? Look, I think from his perspective and from a Democrat's perspective and from a political perspective, you know, there's no harm in going to Ireland and having that footage uh, that shows, you know, possibly adoring crowds uh, and, you know, going back to the homestead as such and painting that kind of romantic image uh, of Ireland. That's not going to hurt him. Um, but look, and I mean, I think that the coverage here is is also going to be the way it is for, for most visits Um of the president overseas, it's that there's also a lot of other stuff going on in the world. Um, so he'll be expected to be engaged in that and comment on that. So, um, you know, that's also a big part of it. So you talked about Money Gold. That was obviously the Obama visit. Simon, you know, we've had many visits by US presidents. And I, I suppose I think the most mythologized was the visit by JFK 60 years ago. So I suppose prepare for anniversaries this summer, in Wexford at least. So, If that's a high point, where do all the others fit in? Well, there's quite a mix. Uh, The first was, as you say, JFK when he came in 1963. And that's a particularly poignant visit because it came 
four months before President Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas in November of 63. And it does stand out as a high point mainly because of JFK's heritage. You know, he was the great grandson of, of Irish emigrants and here he was seen as, you know, a sort of homecoming, you know, a kind of a relative of an Irish emigrant done good in the world and come back. And it was a real moment for Ireland, kind of putting Ireland, a modern Ireland on an international stage. But he's obviously not the only one. Um, there's been visits through the years. You had uh, what's known as the forgotten visit of Richard Nixon in 1970, which was marked by protests over the Vietnam War at the time. Um, and then subsequently, there were visits by Ronald Reagan in the 80s. And then in 95, there was the visit of Bill Clinton. He became the first sitting US president to visit Northern Ireland when he and Hillary Clinton touched down at Belfast International Airport in November of that year. And that was a really important visit from an Irish perspective. He visited a number of areas in Belfast, visited Derry, Armagh and Oma. To all of you who asked me to do what I could to help peace take root, I pledge you America's support. We will stand with you as you take risks for peace. It was very much a visit that really pushed the momentum in the peace process towards the Good Friday Agreement. Pivotal in that visit was his decision to visit the Shankill and the Falls Roads in Belfast. And on the Falls Road, he shook hands with Sinn Féin President Jerry Adams, which was a very important signal uh, in the peace process and certainly helped with that momentum to get peace uh, leading to the deal in April 1998. We saw, as Seamus Mallon said, the morning light began to dawn after Ireland's long darkness on Good Friday with the leader's commitment to solve your problems with words, not weapons. You had George W. Bush. It came at a very interesting time. The Iraq War in 2003, he came to talk to Tony Blair about that uh, and about uh, the Northern Ireland peace process. Uh, so uh, and then the more famous visit in more recent times was Barack Obama in 2011. And if they keep on arguing with you, just respond with a simple creed. It's fatally. Yes, we can. You had Donald Trump, who visited Dune Beg in 2019, which was a far different visit by U.S. President. It was very much came came across more like a sales and marketing visit for his five-star golf resort down in Dune Beg in County Clare. He didn't even didn't leave that, uh, didn't leave the the golf resort for the majority of his visit. So, Is this that we have with the UK and uh, I really wanted to do this stop in Ireland. It was very important to me because of the relationship I have with the people and with your Prime Minister. I think Biden's visit is going to be very different to what we've seen in the past. I think you could describe Biden as probably the most Irish of US presidents. The story of the Irish, of the Irish Americans is a story of people who have weathered hard times but always come through, spirit intact. As Donny says, he wears his Irishness very heavily. Um, he's very proud. And this is a mix both of the political and the personal. Personal in that he's visiting the ancestral home of his, of his, of his relatives in County Mayo and County Louth. But also there's a political dimension of it to mark the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement with his stop when he arrives at first in Northern Ireland. Biden and the Democrats, they were always very clear about where they stood in terms of Brexit and the Good Friday Agreement. But on the protocols, I feel very strongly about those. We spent an enormous amount of time and effort in the United States. It was a, a major bipartisan effort made. And uh, I, uh, I would not at all like to see 
Nor, I might add, would many of my Republican colleagues like to see a change in the uh, Irish Accords, and the end result having a closed border again. How do you think, or has it, damaged Anglo-American relations? If I could ask the both of you that, actually. I think I saw a headline in the Telegraph in London recently where uh, it said the special relationship is between uh, Ireland and the US, not uh, the UK and the US. And it's like, oh, the penny dropped. Um, I'm always interested in in thinking how things might have been different. Um, had, Had Hillary Clinton got elected in 2016, of course, many things would have been different, but specifically to Northern Ireland and to Brexit because, you know, the the US government of course wasn't as engaged uh, in Northern Ireland and all the talks around the protocols and everything else in that post-Brexit time uh, had the US been involved in that i'm sure that that would have worked to Ireland's advantage because you know the position of Ireland and Northern Ireland would have been uh, basically more important in those uh, negotiations because they would have had the US on side um so look there's obviously going to be a lot of coverage in the UK as well, that Biden is going to Ireland and he's really only going to Northern Ireland for a kind of very quick stop, it looks right now, based on the schedule, spending most of his time in the Republic of Ireland. Uh, and of course, uh, you know, we've seen reporting that he, he is not going to the uh, the king's coronation. So uh, I can certainly see how this might be uh, painted uh, in the in the British press as a, as a snub of sorts. But of course, um, the White House are saying that it's anything but. I think at home, the view that Joe Biden was a strong supporter, not just of Ireland and of the peace process, but also of Ireland's position when it came to Brexit. You saw uh, Biden pivot very strongly from where Trump had set himself. Trump had presented Brexit as kind of this anti-establishment vote, very much like his own election as president in 2016. And just before the 2020 presidential election, which Biden won, he made it very clear that Brexit could not uh, interfere with the Northern Ireland peace process. He said he cannot allow the Good Friday Agreement that brought peace to Northern Ireland. That cannot become a casualty of Brexit. And he said any trade deal, which is what London was watching very closely for, he said any trade deal between the US and the UK must be con- contingent upon respect of the agreement and preventing the return of a hard border, period, a word he likes to use to stress a point. So that was a real mark, a real flag in the sand about where Biden stood when it came to Brexit. And since he's been in power, we've definitely, definitely seen the British react to seeing that Biden has that view and is not going to let Brexit in any way disrupt the peace process. And he's coming at a very interesting time. There is risk with this visit. The Windsor framework, which is the deal that Rishi Sunak and Ursula von der Leyen drafted to try and appease the unionists, that has not yet been accepted. In fact, the unionists have rejected a key part of that, the democratic measure uh, known as the storm and break. So they've objected to that. And it's going to be very interesting to see what Biden says on his visit here. The risk is, of course, um, the unionists could say something when he's here. The fact that the Stormont Assembly isn't sitting because of unionist objection to the Brexit deal, to the Northern Ireland Protocol and to the Stormont, uh, uh, to the Windsor framework, suggests that that could be a tricky one. And that probably explains why he's not spending a huge amount of time in Northern Ireland. Yes, this peace in Northern Ireland. Yes, there's a landmark achievement in the the Northern Ireland uh, peace deal and the Good Friday Agreement, but there's certainly unfinished business. So it's going to be interesting to see what Biden says in Northern Ireland and how he addresses that unfinished business in the Windsor in the Windsor framework. Donny, you know, I think Northern Ireland has kind of drifted out of the American consciousness, as it were, and you know, obviously there is going to be 
a lot of celebrations, particularly the week after Biden visits with Queen's University and the Clintons coming over and everything else, celebrating the Good Friday Agreement. But I think what this visit and the current situation in Northern Ireland uh, when it comes to Stormont, I think it it will might come as news, I think, to a lot of Americans that um, everything isn't rosy uh, in Northern Ireland, right? Because, you know, I, I think people heard of the Good Friday Agreement, the peace accords, and I think there's a bit of a perception that Northern Ireland has been solved, at least, you know, among some outside of Ireland. Uh, so I think that this will put a spotlight on it uh, and maybe put some pressure on there too. You see, it's so complex. Once you mention the Northern Protocol, the Northern Irish Protocol, it's all these things are very, very difficult to understand. And now we have the Windsor framework and so on. You know, are you going to be talking about that? Probably not. Are you in your coverage? I'll try. Um, look, I think there's obviously a lot to break down there. And, you know, I think to, to Clinton's point about Brexit being such a setback, you know, I I lived, I studied at Queen's for a year and I actually did an internship up in Stormont with the Assembly I'll point out with no political party, just with the assembly itself. Thank you very much. Um, But that was about 10 years ago. And that was kind of at a time where, you know, a lot of my Northern Irish friends, uh, students who were involved in politics in the North and were kind of, you know, the next generations of, of elected officials, as it were, they were talking about, okay, it's great now that we're not blowing each other up anymore, but we actually now want to move further power sharing, but to have more accountability uh, in government because, you know, one of the downsides, I guess, or or one of the drawbacks of of power sharing is that it can be difficult to say, well, who's actually accountable here for what? Uh, So they were talking, there was discussions happening, at least in the the confines of Queen's University uh, in the Ivory Tower of, um, of how, you know, to move Northern Ireland forward as a more functioning democracy. Uh, I kind of feel now that with Brexit and everything else, and of course no storming for so long, uh, that it's just kind of gone back to saying, okay, well, if we can just get back to power sharing, that that would be a success. And I think it was interesting that on Thursday we heard that he wasn't going to Stormont, that that was not on the agenda. And of course, if times had been different, uh, he most certainly would. Simon, is there ultimately a clear political from an Irish perspective, a clear objective in this visit? Well, I think you can look at the visit to the Republic as being the kind of personal dimension of it with a little bit of political. But obviously, the first stop in Northern Ireland has an entirely political dimension to it with the meeting with Sunak, um, with the statement that Biden is going to make. And I think the risk I was talking about earlier is there. If you look back at uh, Bill Clinton's visit as president in 1995, that came at a very critical moment as well, a far more serious moment because certainly peace was in its very early stages and that was pre the Good Friday Agreement. But I think the emphasis that Biden will bring to the visit to Northern Ireland is an economic message. And look who he's travelling with. He's travelling with former Congressman Joe Kennedy. Joe Kennedy is the grandson of, of RFK. So Royalty in Irish terms. Yes. Political royalty in Irish and American terms or Irish American terms. But yeah, so that, that's a statement to say, if you support this Windsor framework, we think it's as good as it's going to get. This is the deal that you really should go for. 
what the statement of uh, that Biden and Kennedy will bring visiting is that we're going to support this. We're going to back this economically. And I think you're going to hear noises around that. The White House statement uh, flagging this visit has already alluded to that, is that we're look here to look at the economic opportunities that will flow from this deal. And if you look at the way the Windsor Framework deal, this new Brexit deal for Northern Ireland has been presented, it's the best of both worlds. You've access to your single market in the UK and you've access to the single market in the EU. So you'll hear that mentioned again and again. So that's the kind of political message they will try to drive home on that short visit in Northern Ireland. I think it'll be mentioned again down south. I think you'll probably hear some messages of support for Ireland more broadly in terms of Ireland's position in the world, Ireland's position in the European Union, Ireland's position as, uh, you know, a beachhead, economic beachhead for all these uh, American companies employing almost 200,000 people in the south, about 1,000 US companies. Uh, that That's a very economic, this is a very important economic location for America into the EU market. And I think you'll hear Biden say something similar about how Northern Ireland can be part of that. So those are very strong political and economic messages as part of this trip. And I I was just going to say, I know the Speaker of the Assembly, which doesn't sit, (laughs) uh, invited um, Biden to speak. Um, But look, I mean, why should he? Why should he uh, address and, you know, have the Assembly members have all this pomp and circumstance uh, when they're not doing their jobs? Um, So hopefully that kind of sends a message to say, uh, you know, look, if, if, if you're not doing your jobs, you don't get to get the perks of this either. Well, both of you interestingly mentioned the fact that the visit to the north is in fact really short. It's, it's you know, it's hours and it's not days. Are we to read anything into the fact that the trip to the north is whistle-stop? Well, I think it's to do around the, with the sensitivities around the visit to Northern Ireland. I mean, the the, the capacity or the, the, the possibility of error and gaffe will arise in Northern Ireland. So clearly the White House wants to limit the amount of time and certainly the amount of appearances uh, that Joe Biden could be making in Northern Ireland to to kind of watch that nothing is said that would uh, anger the unionists at this very, very delicate time post-Brexit. Um, and I think it also says a lot about why Joe Biden wants to come. I spoke to uh, Larita Blewett, who's a distant cousin of Biden this week, um, who's from Mayo, and she made the point that she spoke to the president at the White House St. Patrick's Day ceremony and he stressed to her when they met how important this was. He wanted personal time here. He wanted to play to the family side of things and that's really important to Joe Biden, his Irishness and I I think Joe Biden's Irishness is not so much to do with the fact that his ancestors came from here, but it's kind of to root of his character as well. It's part of his kind of brand of retail politics that he's very, very good at, this kind of folksy, you know, pat on the back thing. He likes that Irish connection. He likes the the warmth that the Irish have. And he certainly uh, inherited that and imported it into his brand of politics in the, in the United States. And so I think you're going to see a lot of that. You're going to see a lot of the kind of folksy stuff in the interactions with Irish people. I think uh, it'll be very interesting what he says outside the cathedral in Ballina, the public address, which is the main public address when he's visiting the Republic. Uh, and that's the culmination of the four-day trip on the Friday. So I think you're going to see some an interesting mix of things here. Um, but in terms of the risk, the risk certainly lies in Northern Ireland. He will be very careful about what he says up there on the short time he's going to spend there. Now, Simon, you know, you mentioned gaffes and I, I think everyone's antenna is up expecting a gaff or two from Biden. Now, is that been a bit mean? 
Well, I think we have to bear it in mind because there's been some very prominent ones. You know, as recently as last September, he made a blunder during a speech in the US when he was asked when he asked if a deceased congresswoman was in the audience. He put his foot in it uh, a year ago, over a year ago, when he apparently seemed to call for Vladimir Putin's uh, exit. He said Putin, the Russian president, cannot remain in power, which was uh, described as a horrendous gaffe by a Republican senator. But we have our own kind of Irish gaffe uh, experience with him when... Uh, um, then Taoiseach Enda Kenny visited Washington as part of the St. Patrick's Day celebrations in 2015. And I was there when uh, Enda Kenny attended the traditional uh, vice presidential breakfast with Joe Biden. And there was a photo call in front of the residential house, the vice president's home. And he, uh, uh, Biden said, if you're wearing orange, you're not welcome. And here is kind of, it was this kind of informal chatter before the event. And it obviously made headlines. So yeah, he has, uh, he has potential there to say something awkward. I I think you will see an, an extremely scripted Joe Biden, particularly in Northern Ireland, on this visit. Donny, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, look, that's what you get with this president. <laughs> Biden's been like, <laughs> Biden has been prone to gaffes, uh, you know, uh, throughout his time in office. Look, I think a lot of the... Um, comments and quips sometimes that are celebrated maybe by a lot of people. The Republic of Ireland and some of Northern Ireland, for instance, I you know recall, uh, I think maybe just after he was elected back in 2020, the BBC asked him a question and, and Biden looked at them and said, BBC, I'm Irish <laughs> and walked away. Um, obviously, uh, that sort of thing uh, shouldn't happen on this visit, particularly when he's in Northern Ireland. And of course, all of this could be exacerbated by that ongoing conversation, which you already mentioned, um, that this perception that, you know, he is in some way snubbing uh, uh, the United Kingdom by, by not showing up to the, the coronation. Well, look, there are some quips and gaffes that are close to our heart in, in my house. When 2016, when he was here, uh, he went to Trinity. He visited Trinity and he was talking to some students and he shook hands. My son and him shook hands and he said to my son, son, if I had your hair, I'd be president of the United States of America. <laughs> I think what's guaranteed is on this trip, we will hear Biden quote Irish poets. He loves Irish poetry. I lost count of the number of events that I covered when I was Washington correspondent where Joe Biden would quote an, uh, an Irish poet. It's called The Cure at Troy, his poem. And the stanza from that poem goes like this. History teaches us not the hope on this side of the grave, but then... Once in a lifetime, a tidal wave of justice rises up and hope and history rhyme. And he used to even say, he recognised that he would quote Irish poets all the time. And he said, the reason I quote Irish poets is they're the best poets in the world. And you will probably hear something from Yeats. You will probably hear something from Seamus Heaney. He loves Yeats' Easter 1916, the old change, change utterly line, a terrible beauty is born. And I think they even have done a count on the number of times he's quoted that in speeches when he was vice president. The White House archives say he's quoted that 21 times. So that that count could go up as president. He, uh, he certainly loves his Irishness. He loves his Irish poets. And I reckon it'll probably top or tail at least one of his speeches while he's here. I think that what's really going to shine through on this visit is, you know, just how much he's genuinely enjoying himself and probably wants to be there. And, you know, I think it is notable um, that his main speech, it isn't in College Green, it isn't in Merrion Square or the RDS. Uh, it's on the west coast of Ireland. It's in Mayo. Um, I think, you know, if we were up to Biden, he'd probably love to spend his whole time in Mayo and Loud. Um, 
and just uh, enjoy time with his his distant relatives or not so distant relatives really um there so i think that that is notable but i th- i think what we will see uh, is is you know the president really enjoying himself Thanks, Joni. I hope you've got your well-thumbed collection of Irish poetry to bring with you for reference at all times. Uh, I hope you have a good time traipsing around the country and um, you'll have a busy week. But thanks very much for joining us today. Thank you. Simon, there were some concerns last week, right up to the wire, about the health of Jimmy Carter. Yeah, this was something we were hearing privately uh, on the US side. There were certainly concerns. Uh, Jimmy Carter, the former president, former Democratic president, is um, gravely ill. He's in palliative care in his home state of Georgia. And clearly the White House wanted to be exceptionally sensitive and careful about what it was saying and planning about this trip in the event that um, Jimmy Carter would die. And so certainly there were all eyes watching on that. I mean, it was even mentioned by Teacher Cleaver Adker. He warned that there's a chance that the trip could have been cancelled uh, because of uh, Mr. Carter's health. So it was certainly an issue uh, and it, it perhaps explains why a lot of the detail wasn't being announced. There was a lot of, it, they left it very, very late to announce some of the detail around uh, the itinerary, the actual visit itself uh, out of the White House and that might explain some of that. There were concern about Carter at this time um, and uh, some of the challenges as well with, with planning things in, around the itinerary within Ireland, like the day trips to, to, to Biden's ancestral homes and than to Mayo. Uh, So, yeah, that was all certainly up in the air, right up into the wire. Well, that's it for today. For more Irish Times journalism, including coverage this week of the visit of Joe Biden, we'll have reporters wherever he is, subscribe at irishtimes.com forward slash subscribe. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by Declan Conlon. In the news, we'll be back on Wednesday.